So what'd you think of the song? It's definitely a song that was uh, recorded. It's uh, time capsule capsule music is how I would describe that. Time like capsule, yeah, nineteen ninety. Like right, that's the name of the album's The Flood. You send it over, I listen to it. Yeah, and it's definitely like indicative of why Nirvana broke so hard in ninety two when they did. That's what I have to say. That's my take. Do you have something against intellectual music? It's not intellectual, though. It's just like it's happy-go-lucky time music, right? It's like that naivety when your generation, right? Because that was like high school music for you. That was, yeah, late high school, yeah. Yeah, so it's like, hey, we're going to go get the world. It's going to be awesome. And then you're out there in the world for a couple of years, and then you get Smells Like Teen Spirit because you realize what it is. So what you're saying is the music is like late high school getting us prepared for the reality, and Nirvana represents the real world and the brutality Mm -hmm. of it? Yeah. yeah. God, you're just a ray of sunshine, aren't you? Uh, don't, don't hate me. Don't hate me. I'm just, I'm just reporting it as I see it. Oh my God. Ladies and gentlemen, (laughs) welcome again to another episode of Storytime with the Historists, the podcast for world history students, world history enthusiasts, and actually anybody who's interested in history at all. And today- We are continuing with Red Apple. This is part two of the Siege of Constantinople. Dude, I'm so excited to pick this. Like, like last time when we left out, it was just at the good part. Like, we had yeah, the throat cutter like been created. Yeah. yeah. So, like, if you haven't listened to part one, definitely go back. And there's a lot of good backstory there because where we're picking up right now is like the the Black Sea has been cut off. The, the like army that Mehmet has, like his eighty thousand strong man force, all of his cannons, all of his dudes, all of right. his ships, everything has showed up. Constantine's looking out and he sees these giant cannons that Mehmet has brought and he's starting to like wonder to himself like how am I gonna like break this siege what am I gonna do because I know the rest of the Christians aren't gonna show up right and then as right. more and more cannons start to show up I guarantee you that Constantine the 11th let's like by the way I know I messed up last time and I called him Constantine <laughs> the 9th totally but it's not my fault that's public school's fault they should have taught me Roman numerals more gooder right x1 one X, like whatever. It's all Arab the same numerals to you. are yeah. better. Yeah. The, well, I know they're not the same. I know numbers are the same, but I'm just saying, <laughs> like, just get some real numbers. Why are we using Roman numerals still? Anyway, I digress. Like, Constantine had had a chance actually to get these guns. It's like, because yeah. the your people, Orban from Hungary, this Ooh, guy who's making these guns, yeah. right? Well, don't get too excited yet. He's definitely Eastern European. We're going to see why. Yeah. Right. <laughs> what ends up happening? Are you is- just, di- did you just diss <laughs> that was my subtle. ethnicity? It's a, well, not just yours, like lots of people's, but it's true. I'm going to prove it to you. All right. But like Orban, he had gone to Constantine first and he's like, yo, dude, I think I got some guns for you because we all know war is going to happen. He heard, heard that right. drumbeat of war yeah. and he goes to the Christian side because he's a Christian, right? Yeah. And Constantine's like, yeah, dude, like cannons. I would love some cannons. And Orban's like, all right, like it's going to cost like $5,000. I don't know how much money was worth back then. So I don't know. Like, uh, yeah, good. Yeah. Like, maybe it was just like one gold coin, but it doesn't I'm even sure matter. It was more than one gold coin. But <laughs> I'm sure, okay. it was too. But like, even if it had been one gold coin, it's not like Constantine could have even, Didn't even have that. that. Like, dude was broke. Right. So, like, Orban's like, you want these guns? And he's like, I want them for free. Can I get them on credit? And like, Orban's like, absolutely not. So he turns credit. around, he goes to Mamet, and he's like, he's like, yay, hey, Mamet, you want these guns? Mamet's like, I'd like to see a, like a demonstration. So, Orban's right. like, all right, I got you. So, what Orban demonstrates, Rates with though is like what Crowley describes as a horrifying and extraordinary monster 
of a weapon. It's a 27 foot long cannon that weighs six tons and can fire a 1,500 pound stone ball a mile. Oh my this God. Is the this demonstration is, gun. This is like the early modern period of version of the Death Star. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I, I think that is a perfect way of putting it, actually. This gun, uh, eventually the, the, the mold will be recast and they'll make an even bigger one. It'll be called the Basilica. And nice. this thing oh, is what, like, yeah, and it gets rolled up right at the St. Romanus Gate. And it's one of like what ultimately is like 70 some odd cannons That's that the Ottomans will deploy. Yeah, right. But the Basilica is the big one of it all. Like when that gun was fired, apparently you could hear it 10 miles away. Nice. Right? And this thing, again, was capable of firing that 1,500, maybe two ton stone ball a mile God. or more. That's like firing an elephant. And it's only, Jen, it's only like 500 yards away from the walls. And it's just, it's just on this big ramp. It's just this big earth ramp that's been set up, like aimed right at the wall, right at what they figured, the Ottomans figured is the weakest point. And they're just going to yeah. start blasting away well, at yeah, this thing. That's, yeah. And Constantine and his, his defenders are all looking at these guns and that's all day long. Just <laughs> And it's like, these guys are like, dude, we are done. However, Constantinople is like a literal fort. Like, yeah. like it fort is or not fortress. a city. It's a it's a fortress. Like okay. the walls here are unbelievably strong. So like we could totally nerd out on the walls. Here's what we need to know. Okay. There's three levels of wall, right? They're very wide. They're solid stone. There's not rubble in the middle or anything like that. Right. They go tens of feet under the ground, right? Which they're like really deeply sunk with a really strong foundation. And they kind of go like stairs. Like you go up one stair like step. That's yeah. that first wall. It's very thick and there's a big fighting platform. Then there's another step up. Right, oh, okay. and this has like a yeah, gatehouse yeah. and and towers, and then after that one, there's another step slightly down and a wide wall again, and then another gate to actually get into the city. Okay, so Mehmet's got to blast through the first wall, the second wall, and the third wall. And weeks into the siege, he hasn't even got through the first wall yet. And in fact, even with the, the big basilica cannon, right? The first thing to give is basilica, not the wall. <laughs> the thing explodes. <laughs> It's you can only shoot it seven times a day. It generates so much pressure and force and heat that it took like you know like hours to reload, right? And after about nine days of firing this thing seven times a day with all the upkeep on it, a big crack forms in the side. And Orban's yeah. like pointing at the crack. He's like, "Uh, Mehmet, this is a crack. This is not a good thing." I was like, "Trust me, I know what I'm doing." Right? And Mehmet's like, "Nah, I think you know, like we can keep shooting this." And Orban's like, "No, let's not shoot it." And Mehmet's like, "I'm in charge here. I paid you all that money. Shoot my gun." Orban's like, all right, I think we can do this thing. So they load it up and boom, dude, it explodes out the side and turns oh, Orban into hamburger. That oh dude just God. gets shredded immediately, which oh. sucks for, for Mehmet because that was like the dude who knew how to make the really yeah, good gun high quality here, guns. Yeah. So Mehmet's got all these like gun making materials, but he can't make any new guns. Right, Basilica, they try to strap it up. They put these straps on it, but it doesn't work. No, you can't do that. Yeah. However... Like after like the the initial because like basically what was happening is they were just shooting these these stone balls at the walls right. just like wherever right and there's like these Christian onlookers there's people from around who are just like there to show up like I don't know they're like it's like it's like you know going to a public hanging in the mid in the Wild yeah West. it's almost like Coachella for military nerds <laughs> is what right. it is it's all these dudes who show up and they want to see what's going on and like some European I don't even know who the guy is Crowley didn't name him but he like some European points out to the the guys running the cannons he's like you know if you fire into like a triangle pattern right shoot one and then like then go to the pinnacle and then back down to the base so you're making like this like equilateral triangle uh -huh. and then you blast right into the middle of that triangle 
you'll blast away the wall way faster. So that happens, and a I big section was, of the wall falls down. And then I wonder if that you was the Western that folk. I was like, uh, whoops. No, do, you think, probably. do you think it was <laughs> somebody the, the there, like, Western, Europe, Western Europe Pope giving a little heads up? Here's how you beat yeah, I mean, my I'm counterpart. Sure I'm sure that's why like, like, I'm sure Constantine looking out at the walls like, shut up, dude. Like, cause like this big chunk of wall falls out. However, here's the thing. Even though the wall does start to crumble after a couple of weeks and then after yeah. this triangle thing gets discovered, it starts crumbling a whole lot faster. Our boy Gustiniani, our Genoese like military commander, true yeah. engineer, he has like an ingenious solution to this like rapidly deteriorating outer wall. What he starts doing is he takes all the rubble and dirt and everything else, and he starts you, like you know those big like like orange traffic barrels you see on the highway that get filled up with like water and sand and stuff. Oh, I had no idea they were filled with water. I know what you're talking about, but yeah, why yeah. Water? Well, I assume they're filled with water from the movie Speed, classic joint, 1993. Oh yeah, totally true. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I don't know if it's. I hopefully I'm not trying to hit them with my car, but like anyway, what Gusiniani does is he starts putting all the debris in those things, and then he just starts putting them like stacking them into like whatever crevice and letting gravity kind of like sink them in. Uh And then when the cannonball hits one of those like barrels, it it explodes. And then like that debris just like turns into like a bunch of more debris and they put it in a new barrel. So like Gusiniani doesn't have to rebuild the wall. He just creates a stone pile, but it's equally as tall and equally as thick as the wall. So all of the Met's work is getting undone by the minute by the defenders and at night, when the like Ottomans start to run across the wall to try to pull these barrels down and roll them into like, because there's this giant mojen. That's the other thing I forgot to talk about. Yeah. There's just this like giant, like 40 foot wide moat that's like 16 feet deep. It's got these sloped sides. It's like this killing field, right? So at yeah. night, the Ottomans are running across this thing. The defenders are like throwing spears and shooting arrows and like their muskets or whatever that they got are throwing just rocks and hitting dudes in the head, right? <laughs> And these guys are trying to pull the barrels down because if they can roll them into the moat, then they can't get refilled. And right. all that debris would actually fill in the moat, which would be good for the attackers. Right. However, like this is turns into a slaughter. So even though we know the Ottomans are going to win this thing, yeah. the reality is, is like early on, first couple of weeks into this thing, we're like 20 some odd days into this thing. You wouldn't have guessed that this and is going to end the way it does. And that's my question. So, you know, counter to what John Cougar Mellencamp says, the walls aren't tumbling down. And <laughs> Another solid 90s reference. You, you're welcome. I think it's 80s, by the way, but that's all right. Uh, um, that's a good point. That's what true. ends up happening? Like, obviously, this cannon blast strategy isn't working, and we do yeah. know that the Ottomans take Constantinople. So what do they change? So Mehmet starts to attack on all fronts, right? He basically, mm-hmm. he can't go through the walls. He can't go over the walls. They're too tall. So he mm-hmm. decides he's going to go under the walls. And that's when he unleashes like what he believes is a secret weapon. All right, get your map out because we've got a group of Serbians who okay. learned how to silver mine in Saxony who are working for the Turks. So yes. Serbians working in Sac went to Saxony to work, but now we're going to work for the Turks. Yeah. Wow, Serbian never seen that silver coming. mining Saxons or Saxon. Oh, I like that. Nice alliteration. So, there's an alliteration there somewhere, yeah. right? Someone smarter than me will find it. So this becomes this like tunnel rat war because what Mehmet, what Mehmet <sighs> thinks is like, all right, the defenders don't think you can get underneath the walls, but I got these dudes who say that they, they can get under the walls and he starts sending them under to find like places where maybe the walls aren't so, super deep. And they, right. the, the Saxons, the Serbian Saxons do actually find some areas. And this is where huh. like we had talked about how the city had been cleared out. Right. This is where that like din of silence 
actually comes to the defense of the defenders because one night as these guys are tunneling away, trying to work their way like into the city and up around right. the other side, because they don't know exactly how far they need to go, right? They 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 had started like a half a mile away. So they're they're just going right now in the straight line right. towards the city. The defenders actually hear these guys tunneling away. Yep. And Gustiniani turns and he's got his own secret weapon who has an equally infuriating geographic past. Oh, this guy named his, his name's John Grant, but everybody calls him John the German, right? Because he had learned how to mi- like mine and tunnel in Germany. But John but Grant is from Scotland. Oh this is God. like one of those Vietnam movies where like, we got Tex, he's from Detroit. Yeah, we had exactly. Cleveland, he's from New York. We got Tiny, he was huge. It's like yeah. that sort of BS. Yeah, that's- right? So John Grant, who like Crowley says this about Grant, like Grant yeah. evidently knew his business. Yeah. The position of the enemy mine was located by the sound of the work. A counter mine was dug with speed and stealth. The defenders had the advantage of surprise. Bursting into the enemy tunnel in the dark, they fired the pit props and collapsed the tunnel on the miners, leaving them to suffocate in the dark. Oh, that's a bummer. Yeah, dude. Have you seen the movie Aliens? Not the first one, right? Where they're all um, like with one alien? Of course I have course because have. Right. it's the best horror movie ever. Totally agree. All right. So you know that scene when Ripley takes the elevator all the way down at the end to go rescue Scout, the little girl? Yeah. And she comes upon the queen. Newt. 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 Oh, that's right. Newt, not Scout. All right. So like who's was Scout the little doll had she had? It doesn't matter. I digress. No, Scout was from To Kill a Mockingbird. Oh, that's a great book. You know what? They kind of dovetail. In a way, they kind of do. They don't, but that's all right. In my universe, they do. <laughs> anyway, the point is, is remember Ripley has that like awesome flamethrower and she yes. just starts blasting yes. all the eggs before the face huggers come yeah. out and she like starts burning up the queen. That's how I imagine John the German. I imagine him as this <laughs> like awesome. avenging Ripley angel running through these tunnels with this like 1450s version of a flamethrower, which is real. There's this thing called Greek yeah. fire, which is like yeah, real, yeah. right? For our listeners at home, it's like uh, pitch and oil and stuff, and you could like throw it or spray it, or there's like yeah, a pumping I, I can device. See that. Yeah. It's not that hard, right? Like, yeah. So night after night, day after day, these guys are like tunneling at each other. Saxons and and Christian defenders, you know, John the German and whatever the the Saxon guys, Crowley doesn't have a name for him, right? And whenever they run into each other, like the walls fall down and the two sides like boop pop into each other, then the the defenders start burning out those guys inside. Oh. It's like it's totally crazy. But here's what happens. While the cannons are blasting and the tunnels are being dug and there's subterranean fire going on, all of this distraction gives cover for Mehmet to build these giant siege towers. He's like, hasn't, look, go ahead. Hasn't he learned something about building giant things and how they don't always work? If it ain't broke, don't fix it. Right now, right now, he thinks this is it. This is going to be his trump card. And he builds all these ones. But just like with the Basilica, he builds one tower to rule them all. And it's going to be filled up with, like, guys with, like, rivals and um, janissaries and, like, guys who are going to, like, like, bungee Cirque du Soleil style across like the gap when the tower gets there to like put the hooks in so that you can pull the tower closer. It's okay. so big though that you can barely push it and move it. <laughs> However, course. this giant tower starts moving down into the moat filled up with like dirt and stuff at this yeah. point in time and it starts moving closer and closer and the cannons are blasting and the underground fighting is going on and Christians are running all around. They're trying to figure out do we stop the big tower? Do we stop the little towers? What's going on? And this big tower is inching closer and closer and closer and like Ustiniani even remarks like this could be it boys. Like once they get over the top of the wall like they're going to actually have enough height 
to go right. to the second wall. They're going to be over we'll and then be they're going to be yeah. shooting down at us. This is it, guys. We got to throw everything at them. So they like start rolling these fire barrels into the moat to explode when they get down to the bottom. And one of those barrels hits home and explodes. Crawley says mere feet away from the up like slope of the moat. They were so close. And then unfortunately what happens is this thing, because it's full of gunpowder and guns and everything else, explodes and falls backwards onto all the dudes who are going to climb up into the tower (laughs) and attack and it kills all that force. I I had a really funny comment here, but I'm not sure it's appropriate for our audience. Uh Uh-oh. So I'm just going to leave it. You're just going to leave it? Yeah, I'm just going to leave it. It's a a family first podcast. It is a family first podcast. Just death and destruction. That's That's true. That's all. So... (sighs) You asked, like, what changes? Yeah. And, like, again, we'll get there. However, like, at this point in time, Amet's trying every – and we're not even t- – we don't even have time to get into the sea battle. There's this right. epic sea battle raging as well. It, we'll just leave it at this. Mehmet takes part of his army, and they literally pick up all 300 of the boats out of the Bosphorus and carry them over a bunch of hills to put them in the water on the other side of that sea chain we talked about last time so they could start attacking from the water, too. Like, Mehmet's going all out here. Well, he and, has to at this stage of the game. Yeah, dude. And of course he has to because, yeah. like, the reality is, is the clock is ticking, right? Because here's the thing, right? Mehmet can't stay in his camp any longer because his like, crowd. How, how long has this camp been existing for right now? Right, right now, we're nearing day 50. Oh, right? nasty. and his men and their animals are producing an, an estimate. This is an estimate, but it's a staggering number. 1.5 million tons of urine and feces a day. That's got to be a crappy situation for them. <laughs> oh, that's a pun. That you is know horrible. it is. I hate puns. I right? know you do. All right. I do it. <laughs> <laughs> but this is two months worth of dookie and urine. That's piling up. And eventually, even though like, and here's the thing, the Ottomans are really good about running a clean camp. They're well, like, yeah, they have good latrines and they have yeah. like actually septic type systems to pull some of this waste away out of the camp. They can but think still, the opposites for that. Yeah. 1.5 million tons of urine and feces. That's disgusting. That's so much. That's so much dookie. And this is going to turn into like cholera. Well, not cholera yet, but like typhus and uh-huh. dysentery Nasty. and some of these other like, yeah, bacteria diseases that in turn create more diarrhea and more vomit and more waste. And so like the clock is ticking. And on May 27th, the battle reaches its crescendo. Okay, and, oh, like, good. I love that. I love crescendos. Oh, yeah. And it, it, apparently it's like the crescendo of all crescendos. And we don't really have time to get into the depths of like some of the mystical religious elements of either is Islam or Orthodox Christianity. Right. However, it suffice to say that both religions do have this mystic, magical sort of like undertone that Ooh. all practitioners of the religion are at least aware of, even if they okay. don't fully participate in it. And the night before the epic, like final stage of the battle, there's this huge like sunset, and the sunset okay. is blood red. Right. And it's reflecting off the dome of the Hagia Sophia. It's reflecting into the city. And the defenders of the city think it's an omen from God that they're going to all die, that the city is being painted in blood. And the Ottomans believe the same thing that Allah has shown them that they are going to bathe this city in blood. Right. And for the defenders of the city in particular, because they're all Orthodox Christians, they think this is happening because God is punishing them because the people who are defending the city are Papists, 
right? They're Catholics from the West, right? And like uh, we talked about uh, in the last uh, time. So there's a schism. There's so much animus there. So like many of the defenders decide like, yo, dude, the best thing that we could possibly do to make like God happy with us is not to defend the city. It's like tomorrow. a leaf. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. Right. At the exact same time, a mess like, dude, we got to throw everything we got at the city. All everybody in the camp who can fight my Janissaries, my regulars, my irregulars, all 80,000 dudes, we're going to throw them into the fray. We're, we're doing this right now. Right. Okay. And so what ends up happening that night, the 27th, a, a, a cannonade like explosion occurs up and down the walls. And specifically, it's all being put like uh, at the, the Romanist gate in this like far off sort of corner where there's Venetian forces are defending. Because those are the two like weak points on the wall that yeah. like have really emerged. And all the cannon fire is being directed at these two spots, right? Blam, 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 blam. And for hours and hours and hours, even though like there reaches a point where the walls aren't really going to like like fall over or cave in or anything like that. Yeah. The fire keeps up because the defenders have to stay on the walls when the fire is going on and they can't sleep either. Ooh, so Mimetz is like, like he keeps them up all night long, blasting away at the walls, even when it becomes clear that the walls aren't going to like crumble anymore. This bombardment continues. Right. Oh, and then in the wee like early pre-dawn hours, Mehmet throws his forces out there. He just all out charge and assault. Right. Okay. The people who are like on the like walls, they like kind of rouse from like those like semi probably like pass out slumber sleep that they're in. And they start attacking back down. They're throwing stuff. They're shooting. They're doing the whole nine yards. Right. And like the Ottomans start coming like up this like like blasted out ramp because all those stone barrels had been blasted away and, and there wasn't time to repair them, right? Because mm-hmm. the fire never stopped right, at night. Right. So there's no way to deal with that. And so like there's actually like now Ottomans on the walls nearing the top of the walls. Mm-hmm. However, the defenders are holding and they're like starting to rally because as like each successive mis- minute goes by that the Ottomans haven't breached the walls. There's more confidence building right. that they can withstand because it's obvious this is it. This is the charge. This, this is, is yeah. it. And then fate intervenes cruelly. Of course it does. Down in the corner of the city where the Venetians were, there was like this secret door that the Venetians had been using at night to like go out and like assassinate and kill Ottomans in their camp at night. However, like during some of these attacks, these guys would come out, they would like shoot up the sides of like the guys defending, they'd run back in. Like, you know, in Lord of the Rings in the second one, when Gimli and Aragon go out that like side door and they swing across onto the bridge and like attack all the guys, like orcs and get them off the bridge. I've never seen Lord of the Rings. Dude, I just out nerded you. You did so out nerd me. Just, I'm it proud of myself. I read The Hobbit. It just wasn't one of my favorite. That's not, I like the movies. I, I, yeah. I barely remember the books. Right. But anyway, what I just said is true. Look at it. Okay. Up, all right. But that's like kind of what was happening. However, one of these Venetian guys leaves the door open, right? And the Ottomans see the door open and they rush in, right? And there's this like battle that starts taking place on the stairs and then on the platform. Nice. And and like the the, the Ottomans are trying to run their flag up the flagpole so that they can show that they've taken like a part of the city and like maybe rally their own troops, right? And like – at this exact same time, another massive wave attacks where Juciniani is at the St. Romanus gate, right? And they're starting to breach the top of the wall. And it's like, here we are. This is it. This is the pinnacle. This is the crescendo. And a horn blows out across the walls, indicating that something has happened. And everybody looks down the wall to their right, and they see the Ottoman battle standard hanging over this, <gasps> like the, the area where the Venetians were. But it's a false flag. 
It's not, oh. it's the flag goes up and then it immediately comes back down because of yeah, the handful of guys it, who had made it in, it got oh. killed, but that's exactly right. The defenders think the city has been taken, right? And like the, the people who had been like defending, they start to get deflated. There had actually been some of those people who thought that like, the city was going to get painted in blood. They had started rushing to the walls when they thought victory is imminent, but now they turn and they start to run away, right? And everything starts to falter. And it's like at this moment, like two things happen, like two fatal things happen. One, Constantine, hoping to rally people, decides all of his best knights, all of his best guys, they hop on their horses, they ride out to try to rally the people to get back to the wall. They're trying to uh -huh. push them back, and they they do. They actually succeed in pushing the, like, the defenders and the residents back into the battle space. But now Constantine is stuck in the battle space. That's and at the problem. same time, Justiniani had realized that like this could be it. He can't do any more repairs. He climbs up on this rock to like rally his troops and do that whole thing, and he gets shot in the chest. Isn't right? that a bummer? Dude, right through his armor. Isn't that a bummer? And he falls. And like everybody's now looking to see what's gonna happen, right? What's Jusiniani gonna do? No, Jusiniani had like he'd taken his fair share of like battle injuries throughout right. the course of this thing. However, he doesn't get up. He well, actually yeah, he asked for chest. his men to pull him. Yeah, you got shot in the chest. Exactly, right? <laughs> He's bleeding out through his armor and everything else. I'm sure it looked gross. They start pulling him away. And he's like, then like people are like, yo, Giussiniani, stand up, stand up, man. Like, we need you. We need like we, we need our leader. And he's like, no, dude, take me to the ship. I want to see a doctor. I think I'm going to die. Right? <laughs> you can imagine what that does to the morale. <laughs> Yeah, right? really. So even though the Ottoman flag's now back down, the Venetians have resecured their part of the wall and it's and like no more people are getting in. Constantine is stuck in this melee. Justiniani is dead. People start coming to Constantine, like, open up the gate again. Let let's let Justiniani out. And he's like, No, nah, man, I, I we can't do that. But like finally Constantine gives in. He's like in ever forever indebted. He decides let's open the gate and oh, he opens choice. the gate. This bad is another choice. one of those cool fate moments. It's at the same time that the famed Janissaries have been thrown into the battle. Oh, and it's bye -bye. when they are cresting the wall. Yep, it's over. Right? That's when the gate gets opened. And that's when things really get out of control. Right? Are you ready for this? I'm ready for this. All right. This is like, this gets like really, really like violent and crazy. All so right. like, just like if you're a listener and you don't like that sort of stuff, but here's what ends up happening, right? right. The Janissaries start to squeeze the forces of the Ottomans into this little, or excuse me, uh, of the Byzantines into uh -huh. this pocket that are trying to rally around Constantine and Justiniani and uh -huh. the door. Right, and the door. They're trying to pull the door open, but the door opens inward. So there's all this pressure. Nobody can get the door really open, but they're trying to get Justiniani out. What happens is the Janissaries start pushing this condensed mass of humanity towards this depressed hole in the wall. It's like something like eight to ten feet deep, and uh -huh. guys start falling into the hole. Right, Ooh, the defenders. Some the first guys start falling and then and they die or they get all messed up when they hit the mm -hmm. bottom. But then the next guys start falling and exactly they start getting squished down by the weight of humanity. Guys in armor, rocks Ugh. being thrown down on them. Right, and um, like they start to be just like stabbed by spears and then the uh, janissaries. They have their guns and they're just shooting down into this like literal fish in the barrel sort of thing. Right, and some of the best defenders that were left on the wall, Jusiniani's best men, die in this death pit. 
That's right? gross. And then Crowley goes on, quote, at the front carrying the Ottoman flag was a giant of a man, Hassan of Ulabat, accompanied by 30 companions. Covering his head with his shield, he managed to storm the rampart, throwing back the wavering defenders and establishing himself on top. For a short while, he was able to maintain his position, flag in hand, inspiring an onrush of Janissary Corps. It was a defining and thrilling image of Ottoman courage. The Janissary giant finally planting the flag of Islam on the walls of the Christian city and destined to pass into the nation-making mythology. Before long, however, the defenders regrouped and retaliated with a barrage of rocks, arrows, and spears. They threw back some of the 30 and then cornered Hassan, finally battering him to his knees and hacking him to pieces. But all around, more and more Janissaries were able to establish themselves on the ramparts and to penetrate gaps in the stockade. Like a flood breaching coastal defenses, thousands of men started to pour into the enclosure, remorselessly pushing back to the defenders by weight of numbers. In a short time, they were hemmed in towards the inner wall, in front of which a ditch had been excavated to provide earth for the stockade. Some more were pushed in and were trapped, unable to clamber out. They were massacred within. It's at this point in time that Crowley estimates that 30,000 Ottoman troops were within the walls in a 15-minute time period. Going on our horror theme motif that we've kind of gone in this episode this is so like a zombie movie this is how all the people die is some kind of break in the wall or break in the fence or something and then the hordes of zombies come in and it's Mm -hmm. all over right then like the defenders who were there they like turn and they try to go through this gate which is now like flung open and so the janissary start pouring through the gate right constantine tries again to rally the troops so he and his knights ride out into this janissary mob right and they're hacking from their horses until the horses get killed and then what's like left like and this is probably not how it went down this okay. is like probably for sure ottoman propaganda at some level yeah but constantine climbs onto a rock on his own and he starts shooting and hacking away at janissaries they like pull him down from the rocks and they behead constantine right there on the wall and kick his head down into the city for all of the people to see right i doubt it went down like that but it's freaking metal yeah that's that's a pretty good i mean if you're gonna do it yeah and that's it, dude. So that's how this thing hold the, all of this. Like the, it looked forever for this, like fifty three days of siege, and for fifty two of them, it appeared like there was no way that the Ottomans were going to win. There was no way that the defenders could possibly lose. Even though when we start, it seems like there's no way the defenders could possibly survive this whole onslaught. Right. And then in a matter of sheer minutes, everything goes to crap, and the city falls. Oh my God, poor Constantinople. Yeah. Well, here's the thing Constantinople does kind of, as a city anyway, kind of exact a little bit of revenge because Mehmet had like sold many of his troops and his janissaries and people on the fact that, like, hey, listen, guys, once we get in, there's going to be three days of pillage. You guys can take whatever you want. Right. Ottoman law says you guys can take whatever you want. He's like, I'm going to claim a couple of things. Now, what he claims basically is <laughs> such a stellar move. This guy's a real jerk. He claims the whole city. 
<laughs> so he's like, the whole city's mine. <laughs> it's mine. So but what he means by that is that like you can't destroy things. Like he, right. he, he because he wants to make this his capital city. So he's like, we're okay. not burning down buildings. We're not going to smash up statuary, right? But you guys can take whatever you want. And mainly, what the Ottomans want are slaves. But there's not that many people left because a lot of them right. died defending. Are they all died during the people. battle. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So the and then a lot of them had fled. It was a ghost town before the battle even started. So there's not that many slaves to be taken. There are people definitely who are taken as slaves, and that's right. awful for them. Um, then the people are like, oh man, we'll just rob these houses, but there's nothing in these houses. There's like all the metal had been melted down to turn into like right. arrows and spins, so there's no metal or anything left really, right? And then they're like, oh well, at least like we'll take like the grain stores and everything else, but there's no food left because we've been in long siege. Yeah. So like the defenders had really basically been defending like a nothing right it was just like the principle of the matter at that point right and the guys who win like win nothing and so immediately have to turn around and go back on siege right and that's what eventually ends up happening uh to mamet is that he dies during uh, a subsequent battle with other europeans probably poisoned by his men because they were tired of fighting all the time because everywhere mamet goes he wins but it takes forever and there's never any booty. there's nothing to good yeah no so that's, that's how bummer, he dies it? and yeah so that's it that's it. That's it. I mean, it just kind of ends but, really, really epically and suddenly. Like you said, kind of like a zombie movie, though. To yeah, be fair. it is. It's like kinda, this is it. Yeah, but it turned well, out I for the Ottomans. I'm not going to lie, right? Like they see they capture Constantinople, rename it Istanbul, um, and then actually do pretty well for themselves for the next. I don't know, hundred and some odd years. Yeah, maybe? it turns out that like having control of all the trade in that region was kind is, of a big deal. It's a beneficial like, thing. It wasn't. It was they were playing the long game on making that money. They're playing. I'm the, sure it was he a long term investment. It's like instead of like high frequency trading, they had bonds. Right, that's what they're doing. They're playing the market or mutual funds or something like that. I don't make okay, any money. But here's where it gets really good because this is—I mm -hmm. know at the beginning of the first episode I talked about how monumental this is, right. the simple taking of a city, and the reason this becomes so significant, our dear listeners, is because the Ottoman policy of taxing the trade that went into and out of Istanbul is going to be one of the leading motivations for European exploration. Because the Ottomans tax goods, what, like 25%, right? Yeah, for and Christians. So, yeah, if you, if you were in Western Europe and you wanted any goods from the East that you'd been exposed to via the Crusades, all mm -hmm. those goods ended up coming through Constant or through sorry, Istanbul, coming through Istanbul before you got them. So you played this huge freaking markup, right? That's right. And the Europeans really by the middle of the 15th century, actually beginning of the 15th century, were fed up. Mm -hmm. Fed up with paying high prices. They want they don't want it the Nordstrom prices. They want the Walmart prices. <laughs> That's and such a good analogy. Thank you. As a result of this, okay, this spurs or or gets them going in terms of how do we find our own way into the Asian spice trade or the Indian Ocean trade network. That's okay. right. Had the Ottomans not taken Constantinople, who knows what it would have happened? What if the goods coming into Western Europe weren't expensive? Maybe the Europeans don't go out and explore. But they right. did. And as a result of exploration, now we've got colonization of the Americas, which eventually is going to lead to the British Opium Wars, which is going... I mean, there's literally the, whole the reason Europe... To eventually take takes over, you know, in parentheses, takes over the known world is a result of exploration, which may or may not have happened had Constantinople not fallen. Just saying. That's right, dude. You thought we were telling a military story, but in fact, we're telling a super boring world history. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just super kidding. Super boring. Uh-uh. <laughs> 
just joking. I'm just joking. No, that's that's it, man. Because you're 100 right about this. It links like this event links together to two hemispheres, leads to the depopulation. I mean, there's so many other gnarly, grisly, crazy stories that come out of this story. Yeah. Because of what happened with all, and, and literally, you're right. It's that trade. It's that desire for profitability. Right. It brings everything back full circle. This could be like right. 60 degrees of separation. Dude, I was like, this is I, so many things to get back to. And then again, like you talked about, like when we did the Abbasid Caliphate episode, all of the connections back to like all that knowledge mm-hmm. and everything that would be in like the, those reconquered areas of the Iberian Peninsula, like all of this stitches back together, right? They're, they're, all these things that seem like they're isolated events aren't, right? They're all part of this like grand global tapestry. What right? a cool PhD thesis that would be how Mao came to power as a result of the Ottomans. Dude, that would be the sort of thing that drives you insane. That would be like a beautiful mind, right? And yeah, you just have like yeah. thousands of pages of like manuscript, but oh, really so good, they're though. all blank. There's nothing on the paper. It's all in your head. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's it, our dear listeners. Um, Constantinople has fallen. It's now renamed Istanbul. Mm-hmm. And history will never be the same. That's right. That's it. That's the story of the fall mm-hmm. of Constantinople. So, Matt, how can listeners follow us or how can but- they support us? All right, so to, you can find us anywhere podcasts are. Check us out Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, anywhere podcasts are on the internet. That's where we are. Um, if you want to support us, a couple things you could do. You can rate and review, as always. You can uh, hit us up with some sort of comment. Um, you know, just Even if it's just like FTA for the algorithm, that's always good. That juices those stats. And then if you want to support the show, you can head on over to anchor.com. You can find us storytime at thehistoristanchor.com, and you can make a small donation. And yeah, that uh, all that sort of stuff helps us out, you know, paying for subscription services and all that sort of stuff to keep the podcast coming. And if yeah. uh, you don't want to, that's cool too, right? Yeah, and you be you. Just, yeah, you just won't pass your classes. That's cool. Or you won't know the world true. history. That's, that's, that's true. what happens. And if you can live so. with yourself for that, that's fine. But no, I'm just yeah. kidding. <laughs> well, ladies and gentlemen, thanks again for listening to us. Uh, we'll join you again pretty soon with our next episode. So Do we excited. want to give spoilers alert or no? No, nah, I think we'll, we'll probably take a little time. We got something really big in the works. Uh, we do. But, you know, I, I think we got some fun stuff in it, some intermediary small stories to keep everybody satiated until our next big one. Yeah. All right. Well, again, thanks for listening. And until next time, see you later. Bye.